Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live show that we put on every single week, every Sunday at noon, to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, making sense of the news, trying to get through all of the propaganda, trying to get to the truth. And maybe a little bit of our analysis, but there's a lot to talk about. There is so much to talk about. Um, things are on fire in multiple areas. <laughs> so very true. Um, we talked a little bit about um, there were obviously there was there was a little bit of writing that was going on last week. There was a little bit of writing that was going on this week uh, around what is it? Tyree Nichols. Is that his last name? Sure. Anyways, I think so. Um, sorry. I, the, 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 the name escaped me for a second there. Point is, is that uh, there. Yeah. Tyree, there man, Tyree Nichols. Thank you. Or Tyree. Um, there was a man who was killed by cops, Memphis police. Um, and the video was released. Looked like um, looked like cops beat him to death. Um, all of the police were when when this was found out, all of the police were fired. They were all charged. Uh, so. I keep hearing the chance of no justice, no peace. I don't really know what you mean by justice when police do a bad thing and then they all get charged for bad thing. I'm not sure what these people want, but to make things even more inconvenient for the purveyors of racial uh, anger and strife in the United States, all of the Memphis police were black and not only were not only were they black, uh, Alan did some analysis last night. Not only were they black, they were part of an all black team. That was basically the best way that you could describe it was massive diversity coalition. Mm -hmm. And that's so known these as officers the Scorpion part... team, right? Yes. All right, go on. Yes, go on. these officers were part of what was called the Scorpion Unit, which stands for Street Crimes Operations to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. This unit was created in 2021, which, interestingly, is after the Black Lives Matter riots of 2020. And I wonder if the fact that the this unit, which is focused on combating street crime, being all black officers, is a reaction to all the the accusations of racism at various police departments in 2020 like was their response all right fine let's just have only black officers interacting with black people and then no one can call us racist and we'll just sidestep that whole issue i i have to wonder if that was the impetus behind forming a unit like this no i i mean it of course it was of course it was like that's exactly that's exactly what is happening here um, Unfortunately, though, it didn't work because immediately after after the, this announcement, CNN was pu was publishing articles of here's why a bunch of black cops 
kill, killing a black guy is actually white supremacy. <laughs> of, course, of course it is. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to have it. They have to have it. That has to be, it has to be white supremacy. It has to. Right. It has to be white supremacy and it has to be um, institutionalized racism. That, and that's the whole thing here is... I want I want everyone to understand this. Number one, it has absolutely nothing to do with Tyree Nichols. They're obsessed with the idea that this has to be racism. This has to be white supremacy. You know, it has to be those things, which has zero to do with Tyree Nichols. Um, it has zero to do with anything revolving around police brutality. And we know that for a fact, because if you follow us on um, on Twitter or on Facebook, you would have seen a, a few weeks ago. Uh, there was a report. I can't. I can't recall where it was, um, but I think it was in Tennessee. But correct me if I'm wrong. There was a gentleman that somebody had called in saying that he was like holding someone hostage, and there's video from inside this guy's like camper or trailer or whatever, and it shows him like getting out of bed because there's like sound outside. He opens the door. And has his hands up in the air, a bunch of flashlights in his face, doesn't obviously doesn't seem to know what's going on. And this SWAT team opens fire and just <laughs> riddles the guy, kills him. And then when they come into yeah. the the trailer, they say, oh, shit, there's cameras. Like, Not there, a good there, look for the police department. There was le legitimately there was a SWAT team that executed a guy and almost nobody knows about it. Because, uh, well, the races didn't fit the narrative. Yeah, because the guy was white. Yeah. It's the same as when I think this was maybe a few months ago, but it was last year within recent memory, where the two officers showed up to a guy's apartment late at night, uh, banged on the door. The guy who opens the door with a firearm has a bunch of flashlights in his face. The police never identify themselves and then just draw their weapons and shoot him immediately. Turn, the guy was white. There was no outrage. Turns out it was the neighbor had called in a noise complaint. And then these officers showed up and just killed the guy. Because it was yeah. like, a, and then there's plenty, there's plenty of examples. Every, every year, there's examples of no-knock raids by police departments where they show up to take down, quote, some drug dealer, bust in, kill a guy. And it turns out, oh, we just had the wrong house. Oopsies. Yeah. Now, and I want people to understand this because um, for anyone who's paid a lot of attention, we like, look, we know police officers. I know several police officers. I don't have any issue with police per se, but there is always going to be that part of me. If you were truly somebody who is a constitutional conservative, the police force should always be met with skepticism because it is the method with which the state projects force. So, you know, if you are someone who wants to have a state government that is small, you want to have the most individual liberty possible, you must always be skeptical of the usage of the police force, the method with which the state will project its force. So I've never liked, I've understood, I'll phrase it this way, I've understood, but I've never liked this whole, we support our police every single time. If if the left is talking about cops, then I'm going to be on the side of the cops. But that's the fault of the left. That is the entirely the fault of the left is because the left doesn't want any policing. They want to be in charge of the policing. 
understand that a lot of, you know, remember, I'm saying the way the state, and I mean that literally, like the state, your state, is how they, you know, project force and, and things like that. But it goes two ways. We've seen a lot of these sheriffs that have stood up and said, I'm not going to enforce these stupid Second Amendment laws. There were some sheriffs that came out and specifically said, we're not going to enforce uh, this uh, bump, or not bump stock, the pistol grip. Um, yeah stuff that's come out now what the left actually pistol brace thank you um those things are so i I go back to bump stocks every time uh because it's always like the silly stuff you strap onto guns that i don't fully understand because i'm like i just have a gun you know i'm sorry um anyway right the the point I'm, i'm making here is what the left wants their ultimate goal in everything is they want a federalized police force that falls under the deep state that's the only policing that they want. They want a they want the entire judicial branch of the United States to be basically a mob of the people that punishes uh that 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 basically punishes whoever they want it to punish based on the opinions of late night comedians and 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 Netflix tell uh, Netflix shows. That's sure. what they want. The enforcement of the state the left wants entire and total control over. So the point I'm trying to make here is I don't feel a an inherent need and neither should you to defend every interaction that the police ever have. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they violate our constitutional rights. And I'm saying this because I think personally, and Alan, you know, correct me if I'm not right here. I think that Alan and I have really never jumped on the bandwagon of no we just ha- you just have to inherently support cops because the left hates them i don't think that that's proper i think that that's a trap sure i think the reason that i that i think we're bringing up is like here are all these other egregious police shootings that happen yet receive almost no media attention is to show that there is a absolute double standard in in this and that it should be obvious that the media is selectively reporting stories like this Tyree Nichols story in order to create racial-based outrage in the United States. And that is the that is the goal of the media in this. And that is very curious. And I think, like, what is the, like, I think the question would be, why are they doing that? Why the selective outrage? Like, do they want to try and stoke the U.S. into a race war? Is that the end game for this? But it is very, there is that difference. Right. Well, and, and I think the the other aspect that we need to look at here um, is the same people who are screaming that we shouldn't have any police, there should be no protection whatsoever to the U.S. citizenry, you know, in in against crime and any of this other, which is yeah, on dumb. the rise. Also say that you should not be allowed to have your own weapons. Right. It's like all of this is being presented in bad faith. Yeah. Like it, it seems strange, right? Like how, how are you, how do you, um how do you shape that? How, how do you, how do you shape, um, not allowing uh, someone to be able to defend themselves, but also not being able to have police. Like, I mean, obviously, obviously the point right. <laughs> is it, it's, you're going to be cogn- it's 
it's a cognitively dissonant mode of thinking. And whenever there is a cognitively dissonant mode of thinking, it usually means there's another motivation at play. It's mm -hmm. we need to get rid of all the guns and we need to there because it's it's never it's again it's like the left everything they say is in bad faith they don't want to get rid of police they just want police to do what they want them to do and the thing they don't want police to do is hold black people accountable for their behavior and, and it's all this pie in the sky dream of like well if the police were just nice to black people they wouldn't commit crime and that's not true the opposite the, the inverse is true it is because black people commit crime they interact with police more the, uh, Black areas are high crime areas. And in high crime areas, the people will have more negative interactions with police because they're high crime areas. It's there's no mystery here. In fact, mm -hmm. the, the the mystery is why why are people on the left trying to obfuscate that fact? Right, exactly. Now <clears throat> one of the other things that's caused things to be on stuff to be on fire. Um apparently, allegedly we'll say, uh, Israel launched drones into Iran last night uh, and hit what appears to be a munitions factory. And this is going on while the director of the CIA made an unannounced trip to Israel last week. And the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, will be, at, be in Israel on Monday. And so this is a this this is an interesting escalation, and I've seen a couple of, of potential thoughts here. There hasn't really been a lot of response coming from the Israeli Ministry of Defense, um, but I will say that there was a synagogue shooting yesterday, um, that or Friday, it was either Friday or Saturday, um, that I saw Reuters frame as gunman goes in and shoots a bunch of uh, people in a, in a Jerusalem synagogue. Uh, but it's just after uh, Israel did some mean things to Palestinians. Like there was a there was a big uh, raid in Palestine right. by um, Israel, which, OK, um, this could be a response to that. It's entirely possible that it's a response to that. It could also be uh, more pressure uh, applied to Iran because Iran is providing drone technology to Russia uh, in Ukraine. And the U.S. has asked Israel to provide support material support to Ukraine and Israel has declined to provide material support to Ukraine because it would cause um, issues with them in Syria because right now they have a coalition in Syria with Russia. So yeah. there appears to be U.S. involvement in an Israeli attack against Iran. Um, certainly, I have no issues with going after Iran. Um, I mean, I remember when the left would get really upset anytime the U.S. would attack a Muslim nation. But hey, you know, I, I, things change. Uh, you know, fads change. <laughs> Sometimes fanny packs come back in style too, I guess. Um, it fascinates me personally and what Alan was saying when we were getting ready to open the show is this is like a world proxy war. Yeah. So Israel would not strike an Iranian target without communicating with the United States. It's like mm -hmm. the situation is too, ten too tense, especially with Syria. I, I find it difficult to believe that Israel would unilaterally strike Iran without notifying the United States, especially now, which means I would means the other option is 
the United States was fully aware, well aware and signed off on this strike against an Iranian target. It seems like, and we don't know too much yet about what this target was, but like Aaron said, Iran is manufacturing drones that are being bought in large quantity by the Russian military. If this was a U.S. proxy attacking the military infrastructure of a Russian proxy to damage the Russian military's ability to prosecute a war, that feels like a, a that feels like an international escalation of the Ukrainian proxy war, mm-hmm. and. I feel like I get to be a little nervous about that. And I get to be a little nervous about what the U.S. government thinks it's going to achieve and why we're doing literally any of this. It's like, what is so valuable about Iran that it is worth risking an escalation of proxy wars between East and West? This is not the Soviet Union that we're we're talking about here. I Mm. think you can't necessarily, you you cannot make the claim that Russia is such a powerful, terrible threat to America that we have to be constantly vigilant lest the Russians start World War III and transform the whole world communist. That is no longer, that's no, you no longer can make that case. All you can say is Russia is a second rate world power that has, that is, that has territorial ambitions around itself Honestly, in in its own words, to secure its own territory from external invasion. Mm-hmm. That's the entire reason why they have been so upset that NATO wanted to add Ukraine as a country, as, as a NATO country. Because right. it's like, well, Russia looked at it and said, we don't want NATO strike aircraft, NATO missiles, and NATO military formations sitting within strike range of Moscow. That is a direct threat to our national security. It would be just like if China added Mexico to a military alliance and then flooded Mexico with Chinese troops and weapon systems. The United States would absolutely see that as a direct threat to our territorial security, just like Russia absolutely sees the same thing happening with Ukraine as a threat to their territorial security. And that is totally reasonable for Russia to view it that way. And instead, the United States is almost arrogantly going, no, the fact, simple fact that you put any resistance to what we want to do means that Russia now has to be destroyed. And I feel the Russians are going to object to that. And as we see with Iran, like Russia is not Afghanistan. Russia has to be recognized as a world power of sorts. Mm-hmm. What happens when Russia says, you know what? We're now transferring nuclear weapons to, to, to Iran because screw the United States. Too many of our sons, brothers, and friends have been killed by American weapons that we are now just going to do everything we can to frustrate American diplomatic efforts around the world. Well, great. We just made an enemy of an entire nation full of people with a massive arms industry and a nuclear capability for absolutely no reason. And that's the thing. Think about all these Russians that are now sitting there going, my son was killed in Ukraine by an American weapon. My brother was killed in Ukraine by an American weapon. My friends have been killed in Ukraine by American weapons. Those people will, the the Russians, they will hold a violent grudge against the United States for the rest of their lives. And that was, and it was totally avoidable and this never needed to happen. But now we have a nation of people who are holding a serious grudge 
against the United States and will find a way to hurt us. For, and we did this for, so what? So Joe Biden's son can keep getting hundreds of thousands of dollars from the Ukrainian government so that all these American defense contractors can make billions off of U.S. arms sales? The American involvement in Ukraine seems like it is based entirely in massive arrogance and disregard for the future of the American people and the future of the American nation. It was just, it's a money grab by corrupt politicians who I don't feel have the best interests of the United States at heart. No, I mean, and there's other reasons why this might even be going on. I mean, I, I certainly we, we take a look at these things, right? And we, we ask ourselves sort of uh, like, what is this all about? And sometimes we do have to look at a wag the dog scenario. Are we starting tensions between Iran and, and involving ourselves between Iran and Israel? Is it a distraction? Is any of this that we're talking about right now just a distraction? Because there's a there's a giant political scandal unfolding as well. And so that's the hardest part sometimes about when we do analysis is do we look at this on it, you know, seriously on its head, take its facts and run and, you know, run with it and analyze it? Or do we look at this and say, well, there's also a lot of like bad stuff going on in the Biden administration um, that would absolutely encourage him to want to distract people by, you know, I don't know, just having a good old war. And yeah, that's really the well, the I damning can't... part about a lot of this. So the question would be, would the, would the people that run the American government and military be and internationally even, would they be so irresponsible as to attack other nations, start proxy fights, simply to distract from a political scandal at home? I feel like the last few years have proven to me they absolutely are capable of that level of irresponsibility and arrogance. So uh, we, we now have to consider it. We, it's like we always have to consider the possibility that they actually are being this ridiculous, that they're just trying to distract from things at home by doing very impactful things on the world stage. Right. No, and, and no, I, I, I agree. And there's 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 more and more weird, more and more weird stuff coming out. And and that that's what this is what bothers me so much. And and so we'll we'll kind of dive in. Um there's a lot of discussion going on about these classified documents that are still kind of sitting out um involving like the stuff that was basically being hidden somewhere in the house of Joe Biden. And there's so many connections that like it's actually even difficult for me to start to try to make some sense of it between the who's who in a lot of these investigations. And so right. let let me wrap this up for for a lot of you. Number 1, there are emails that have been found. Miranda Devine wrote The Laptop from Hell. It's a book where she bas she went through all of the files that were on Hunter Biden's laptop. And she was on Tucker Carlson this week and said Look, there are emails here that not only are dramatically different from most of the emails we see written by Hunter Biden, but they have very poignant analysis and they reference things that are not publicly available. And so what she's pointing to here is the potential 
that Hunter Biden was getting paid all of the money he was being paid by the Chinese energy firm, by um, the Ukrainian energy firm to peddle classified information through his father. We've already shown you the links last week where we talked about the weird rent payment that Hunter Biden had that equaled the amount of money that he was getting from the Chinese energy firm, right? So he's staying at Biden's house and paying him roughly $600,000 a year to do so. And it just so, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's the house that classified documents were sitting next to his Corvette. So connect the dots if you want to. But additionally, there was an FBI agent that just got indicted and uh, charged over several several different ties. I've, I've, I've heard a lot of different weird things here, but let's, um, I'll hit this Breitbart article real quick, but I think that there's more to it here, which is, um, a former FBI agent was charged on Monday with violating us sanctions on Russia by working with Russian tie tyke Oleg Deripaska. Charles McGonigal is accused of investigating a rival oligarch in return for secret payments from Deripaska, an ally of Russian President Vladimir Putin. America slapped sanctions on Deripaska in 2018 over his close ties to the Russian government and its seizure four years before of the Crimean region uh, from Ukraine. The aluminum billionaire was then indicted in September last year over a scheme to obtain U.S. citizenship for his two children in violation of the sanctions. McGonagall, is a former special agent in charge of the FBI's counterintelligence division in New York who retired in 2018. McGonagall supervised and participated in the investigations of Russian oligarchs, including Deripaska, according to the government. Prosecutors say that in 2021, he and Sergei Shestikov, sorry, a 69-year-old former Soviet and Russian diplomat, conspired to provide services to Deripaska, violating sanctions. Specifically, uh, following their negotiations with an agent of Deripaska, McGonagall and Shestakov agreed to and did investigate a rival Russian oligarch in return for concealed payments from Deripaska, said the uh, Department of Justice statement. McGonagall has been charged with four counts, including conspiring to evade U.S. sanctions, violating the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, and money laundering. Each carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. Uh, Shestikov has also been charged with an additional count of making false statements to investigators. The pair were arrested in New York on Saturday and are due to appear in Manhattan federal court on Monday afternoon. This is where it gets weird though, is I think, I guess it really doesn't matter necessarily. Um, I think this other gentleman whose name I keep struggling with was linked somehow to Albania as well. And so it, it, it gets very weird. Um, yeah. Links to the Albanian prime minister. Um, <laughs> the daily mail goes nuts with this. So it says uh, top <laughs> like, like, this, this is a great headline. I mean, it's the Daily Mail, so they're always a lot of fun. Uh, sorry, my uh, laptop keeps trying to do a weird Zoom thing. Um, it was found out, according to the Daily Mail, the top, this top FBI official 
was arrested for taking Russian money, was turned in by his ex-girlfriend who emailed his boss about their affair and links to the Albanian prime minister, claimed she found $80,000 at his apartment and they had sex in a government SUV. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's how the Daily Mail says it. Oh, my gosh. Um, so uh, an angry ex-lover of the FBI's former New York counterintelligence chief claimed she tipped off the feds she tipped the feds off uh, of his transgressions before his arrest last week. Charles McGonigal was part of an FBI probe into Trump's campaigns, Trump campaigns, Russia ties, and has been charged with money laundering, lying to the FBI and taking money. Allison Guerrero uh, said that she and McGonigal for uh, for a year during said she dated McGonigal for a year during which uh, he spent lavishly. She also found a bag of cash at his apartment. So Charles McGonigal, the former special agent in charge of the New York's FBI counterintelligence division, was allegedly turned in to the bureau by his ex-lover. Lover. Um, doesn't I don't care about all that. I'm trying to get to more of the facts about this Albanian. Because like I said, this is sort of messy, and I do apologize that I didn't have a great amount of time to dig into every single little thing because... Iran started or uh, Israel started bombing Iran and all this other nonsense. Um, when the couple met, uh, Guerrero was 44 and was a former kindergarten teacher who volunteered for law enforcement causes, working as a contractor for a security company while living at home with her dad. Um, McGonagall had just started his new job at the New York field office. The Southern District of New York unsealed a five-count indictment against McGonagall and Sergei Shestakov, Earlier this week, charging them with violating and conspiring, McGonagall uh, played a role in a sensitive and high-profile investigations, including Robert Mueller's probe into Russia, into Russia's purported ties to Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. Charles McGonagall walked free from Manhattan court on Monday on a $500,000 personal recognizance bond. Following his arrest, um, charges were laid out in two newly unsealed documents. One of the indictments filed in Manhattan accused McGonagall of violating U.S. sanctions by working with Oleg Deripaska, a billionaire crony of Vladimir Putin. The other charges filed in Washington, D.C. allege McGonagall took $225,000 in cash bribes from an unnamed former Albanian intelligence agent while leading the counterintelligence branch of the FBI's New York field office. In an interview with Insider, Guerrero alleges that McGonagall used FBI resources for their relationship. Uh, she knows that McGonagall may have also abused his position of trust, having once opened an, investi an, an FBI investigation into a U.S. citizen who lobbied for an opponent of the Albanian prime minister whom he had become close with. Hmm. Monday's indictment states that McGonagall was accompanied by an unnamed ex-spy when he secretly met with Albanian Prime Minister Idai Rama in September 2017, where he gave Rama FBI paraphernalia and offered advice on lucrative oil drilling licenses. McGonagall also is also accused of hiding from the FBI key details of a 2017 trip he took to Albania with the former Albanian intelligence official who is alleged to have given him at least $225,000 in three separate cash payments. Once once there, according to the Justice Department, McGonagall met with Albania's prime minister and urged caution in awarding oil drilling licenses in the country to Russian front companies. McGonagall's Albanian contacts had a financial interest in those decisions. In an example of how McGonagall allegedly blurred personal gain with professional responsibilities, prosecutors in Washington say he caused the FBI New York's field office to open criminal lobbying 
investigation in which a former the former Albanian intelligence official was to serve as a confidential human source. McGonagall did so, prosecutors allege, without revealing to the FBI or Justice Department his financial connections to the man. In her interview, Guerrero claimed how McGonagall would spend lavishly, um, far more than his FBI salary would allow. Um, After a drinking session and in a fit of jealousy, Guerrero emailed McGonagall's boss, William Sweeney, who was in charge of the FBI's New York City Bureau directly. She revealed the details of the affair to him together with an ex- with extensive dealings. She had noticed McGonagall had contacts with Albania. McGonagall had befri- befriended Albania's prime minister, had gone back and forth to the country several times. He's now hmm. spinning a web of deception in multiple alleged schemes. The most stunning charge accuses him of working with a former Soviet dip- diplomat turned Russian interpreter on behalf of Deripaska. So this guy's like linked to all sorts of and and the the weird part about the Albanian connection and I think the part that's being lost here is the lobbying the lobbying that was being carried out. So when they say that the Albanian prime minister wanted to target a specific person, the lobbying that was being carried out was being carried out by somebody linked with Trump. Because there have been articles that were written in like 2017 because there was an FBI investigation into a former Trump staffer. And it was because of lobbying efforts. And that former Trump staffer was actually um, lobbying, uh, was was legally working as a foreign, you know, foreign agent lobbying on behalf of an opponent of the Albanian prime minister. Huh. So that was a lot to ingest, and I'm very sorry, but like I said, it's it's uh, over the place. But, yeah, that's that's wild. Mm-hmm. Now, what's strange here is why would a top official in the FBI? I mean, this guy this guy gets a top slot for the counterintelligence division in New York counterintelligence division. For those of you who don't know, think of it, uh, the best way to kind of put it is uh, spy hunters. The whole point of counterintelligence is to one, understand who is trying to collect on you, meaning who's spying in your country, and two, how to uh, disrupt those operations, right? So you're a person who's in charge of understanding who's conducting espionage in your country, how to stop them, how to get ahead of them, and how to make sure that the you know national security of the United States is not being leaked out to foreign governments, all of that. But this guy, for some reason, thought I could absolutely get away with uh, getting cash payments from Albania uh, to and from Albania and apparently a former Russian tycoon. I can get all of this money from these people and nobody will catch me. Why would somebody that senior in the FBI think that they would be able to get away with that? Um, probably because they assume their bosses would look the other way because of the politics involved. That appears to be the case because what, what, what we're learning from this daily mail article, right. And the reason why I brought it up and I'm sorry, I read so, so much into in it, but what we're learning here is, um, the FBI wasn't investigating this guy. He was outed by an angry ex-girlfriend. Yeah. He was outed by an angry ex-girlfriend. If she didn't get pissed off, the FBI would have never done a thing, apparently. Interesting. They weren't looking into it at all. And how often are they not looking into it at all? 
what I'm trying to get across here is we just, we talk a lot about FBI corruption. We talk a lot about what appears to be pay for play schemes all over the deep state. You have a pretty senior guy in the bureau who says, yeah, I, I can travel. First of all, I can just travel back and forth to Albania. No questions. Asked. I don't know about you, Alan, you and I have held security clearances. If we traveled anywhere, we had to report it. If we went yes. to a foreign country, we had to report yeah. it. Especially like Albania. <clears throat> yeah, especially, especially if it was Al if we were going to Cancun, we had to report it. You had yeah. to, you got in trouble if you did not report it. Mm -hmm. I, I actually wonder know if this, a guy. Sorry. I wonder if this agent was expecting even a pat on the back. It's like, oh, you did something that hurt some right wing figurees. Ah, good job. We know what our we know what our organization stands for. Good job. Now, I know that the left leftist press wants to say, "Oh, well, you know, they said um they said they 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 said Oleg Deripaska, you know, Russian oligarch, uh so it, it's uh it's obviously hurting MAGA because right. that's that's how yeah. that's how lives like, the world. It, it, it's all it's like White supremacists, MAGA, Russians, it's like to the left, these are all just a category of enemy. And they're interchangeable between any of them. Putin's a white supremacist, Russia Trump's a Russian agent, the you know, Patriot Front are both Russian agents and white supremacists. It's like it's all just category of enemy for the left. And I think that's important to recognize because they will call you they will call their enemies anything. They'll call them white supremacists, Russian agents. It's all just code for this person is an enemy and should be treated as such. Well, and the, the truth of it doesn't matter. The truth is you're an enemy and they're just using whatever words seem to fit at the time. But when we talk about somebody like Oleg Deripaska, it gets even more interesting because sure, like, okay, they say Russian oligarchs. Well, I've seen the left. Blue Anon is out in full force trying to say, see, this guy was working with the Russians and he was the whole reason why Robert Mueller said that they couldn't find evidence. We need to reopen the investigation because it was tainted by this charge, Charles McGonagall guy. Oh no. Literally, that's, that's, that's a real thing. Um, there's only one problem. So Hunter Biden is one of the partners of Rosemont Seneca Partners, which is an investment firm that, as far as I can tell, was just a sales front for the Biden family name. Well, because, you know, he Joe Biden or Hunter Biden has all of that ex skills and experience with uh, any of that. Yeah, very shrewd businessman. Yeah, shrewd um, businessman and knows a lot about investing, I'm sure. He, he works in imports and exports, mostly of crack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> importing it into his body and then exporting it onto hookers. Yeah. Um, but the problem here is, uh, strangely, Hunter Biden discussed things with Deripaska. He, in fact, sent some pretty, uh, very, some, some very poignant emails and analysis to Deripaska as part of what was found on his laptop trying to set up a partnership. So that's strange. Uh, the left screams about anybody who's working with, you know, Russian oligarchs. But Hunter Biden absolutely discussed this, you know, person. So this is from, uh, this is from uh, weirdly enough, msn.com. 
Uh, a fresh cache of emails from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop shows the embattled first son was once linked to the, well, this is the a link of, um, to the ex-wife or to the wife of the ex-FBI agent. Um, they're linked through, um, this FBI agent was linked to them through a lacrosse team. Their kids played lacrosse or something together. Um, yeah, the parents' daughter, their daughters played lacrosse together. But what I'm trying to find here is the, um, there's absolutely discussions between Deripaska and Rosemont Seneca partners. Um, and that's the strange part is how come that was never really a big part? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like if, if this is such a big deal, there we go. All right. Sorry. I, I knew I had to find it. Hunter Biden tried to sell refined analysis of Russia, refined analysis of Russian Oleg Deripaska. So, Rosemont Seneca, the company that tried to sell political and corporate risk risks elite networks associated with Oleg Deripaska, is run by Christopher Hines and Hunter Biden. Hine, uh, Christopher Hines, for those of you who don't know, is the stepson of, um, oh my gosh, who's the guy that looks like Frankenstein? John Kerry. Stepson of uh, John Kerry. Because remember, he ended yeah. up marrying the uh, Hines billionaire wife. Hunter had sent an email to Alcoa's vice president, Daniel Cruz. According to report, according to a report by New York Post, the asking price for phase one of the project was twenty five thousand dollars, while a refined analysis was fifty five thousand uh, dollars. Deripaska was of interest to Alcoa as he is the founder of the Russian aluminum Rusal. Um, Cruz's colleague Pai Chang. Uh, had shown interest in the list of Russian elites connected to Deripaska that would not otherwise be on government on the government affairs team's radar, including various Russian committee heads, union leaders, and ministers. The emails have emerged after the FBI raided Washington, raided Washington and New York homes linked to Oleg Deripaska, a billionaire close to Russian leader of Vladimir Putin. According to the U.S. Treasury Department, there are allegations that Deripaska bribed a government official, ordered the murder of a businessman, and had links to a Russian organized crime group. Deripaska filed a lawsuit in 2019 against the Treasury, yada, yada, yada. So you have all of that going on, but you additionally have Hunter Biden is like, oh, I have all of this great analysis on Oleg Deripaska. And then you have an FBI agent who happens to be working like... Somebody explain this to me because it looks like there's a massive amount of crazy political corruption and an awful lot of classified influence peddling. Like, why do these names keep popping up, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make here. Like, how can we keep seeing the same names show up? Yeah. In everything. It's like, I don't know. Maybe it makes me sound crazy. It's like there's a small group of people that are running all sorts of things. And then there's almost like a Game of Thronesian palace intrigue on who gets arrested by whom. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I'm going to shut up for a little bit because I keep trying to go down this rabbit hole and then having to stop myself. But the long story short here is... An FBI agent who, oh, and sorry, I do have one last bit of analysis here. The left is going to try to make this guy out to be somehow like Trump affiliated and then try to claim that this, um, this absolutely shows, uh, that the Russian, that the investigation 
into Russian uh, influence of the Trump campaign was tainted. Uh, even oh, though no. like there's zero evidence whatsoever that this Charles McGonigal uh, guy would have at all been pro Trump. And there's links of him, you know, I mean, he's trying to get Trump. He's part of the fricking probe. He was part of Mueller's um, nonsense, but the, the facts still lay out. There might be a good reason why they're trying to uh, slander this guy and make him a Trumpy. And it could be, what if um, a big reason of how this guy is planning to save his own ass, which of course he's going to want to do. Um, what if part of that is flipping and becoming state witness into the investigation that's being put on by Huber against uh, how, what was the origination of all of the investigations into Trump? I mean, we're talking about the New York field office here, which is where Trump lived when he was announcing his candidacy. And it's where Trump's, you know, Trump Tower is located. If this yeah. guy were to flip state state witness for Huber, then what are we looking at here? I mean, a senior counterintelligence official who was comfortable enough to have dealings with a Russian oligarch as well as an Albanian uh, prime minister. It sounds like this guy probably knows how the business as usual works. Am I wrong? I. Uh no, I think that's exactly how it works. But the other question is, is this once again another distraction because it's going to come out that Joe Biden's son, Hunter, was selling classified information, which was why it was just so casually left in a garage of a house he was in. Yeah, that's real suspicious. And I think that that, I mean, that's the problem I have is... I don't think that Merrick Garland is going to go after Joe Biden unless it's like absolutely forced upon him. But at the same time, I'm starting to wonder like what's happening here. Cause I'm, I don't know about you, Alan, I'm noticing a shift. I think Democrats want to offload Joe Biden. I, th I think they definitely want to distance themselves from him. I think a lot of the Democrat strategists have to be looking at this and somebody in the room has to be going, guys, Joe Biden's really unpopular and he's not someone that we can make popular. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure there have to be some people on the left that feel the pressure ramping up against them as their policies continue to deliver naught but ruin. And I feel they have to be going, we need some way out of this because we are going to be dragged down by all of these people as the all their policies can keep degenerating into chaos. Mm -hmm. And they are. I mean, it's it's bad. Like, and it's getting worse apparently because now, now, now we might be involved in a war that's going on between Israel and Iran. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't want to get too like nuts about that because it was just some drone strikes you know what i mean but at the same yeah, time exactly. like what the hell what the hell's going on i mean let's see like there's there's an additional uh aspect here is like biden notebooks so biden notebooks found in fbi search may have referenced classified information so this was something that came out from the uh this was the washington post or not the i'm sorry the washington examiner 
Uh, notebooks used by President Joe Biden during his time as vice president were among the items taken by the FBI during a search of one of his Delaware homes last week, according to a personal f- person familiar with the investigation. These net- these notebooks, which Biden wrote while serving as vice president under former President Barack Obama, were taken by the FBI due to some of the notes relating to his work as vice president, which could refer to classified information, the unidentified person said. The person also claimed that while none of the notebooks had classified markings on them, some of the notes could be considered classified due to their sensitive content. Um, Written inside the notebooks were handwritten notes from Biden with some relating to his personal life and family, while others uh, detailed his current experiences and thoughts uh, of his time as vice president. Sounds like a journal. Um, according according to the unidentified person, it is un- unclear how many notebooks were taken by the FBI, but the source claimed it was a large amount. Notebooks containing notes about personal matters that get mixed with notes on government business would likely be considered personal property as long as Biden never shared them with any government staff members during his time as vice president. However, if Biden had shared the notes with staff, the notebooks would be deemed official records belonging to the government, according to Jason R. Barron, a former director of litigation uh, at the National Archives. The FBI searched Biden's home in Wil- Wilmington, Delaware, for any possible records uh, from his time as vice president on January 20th. Among items taken were personally handwritten notes, files, papers, binders, memorabilia, to-do lists, schedules, and reminders going back decades. The news of Biden's possible mishandling of classified. Yeah, okay. Well, wasn't wasn't like one of the things that we were told that predicated the entire raid in Mar-a-Lago was like a cocktail napkin? Uh, yes. Yeah, it was it was it was something that was not that was incredibly benign. Mm-hmm. And I, I just the two are things are not the same. But the thing is, even if we treat them the same, we could. It's the fact that there are people that were incensed that Trump had classified documents because he's putting the nation at risk, and these same people are granting Joe Biden a complete pass. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is to me what is the most egregious thing about it. I don't really care that Trump had classified documents. I don't really care that Biden had classified documents. The classification systems in the United that the United States government uses. So much stuff gets overclassified and marked classified when it's just nonsense, and everyone knows it. So it's like the the uh, like, oh, you had a classified document. Yeah, everyone in the government and that works classified intelligence knows that so much stuff is quote marked classified when it's just nonsense anyway. No one really cares. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people probably wouldn't would if if you told me a lot of politicians have quote classified documents outside of areas that are able to handle classified documents, I honestly would probably go, well, duh, because they have to deal with so much paperwork. It, it should just be expected that that's the case. Right. And especially like the, in Donald Trump's case, where it's things like the presidential um, schedule, like the presidential schedule is technically classified. And he, I think he had records of his presentative schedule as president, which are classified information. But that's an example of things where you're like, is that really a danger to U.S. interests? If that got leaked, no. Is the stuff Biden have? It's hard to tell. The fact, though, that people are demanded Trump be 
you know, sent into exile and whipped with thorns and crucified <laughs> because of, of quote, classified documents, and then pay zero mind to Biden. That to me is the more curious part because that exposes that this, this double standard exists and is being intentionally curated and exploited by the media. And yeah, I think that's, and it's, it's this deep state that we've talked about this, like the deep state is working to protect Biden from investigations into his classified documents that he, that he was storing improperly. They're trying to stop those investigations. Whereas with Donald Trump, they're using classified documents as the reason they get to invade his home. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and mostly to attempt to disqualify disqualify him for running for president again. Exactly. I mean, that, that was in, 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 in totality, the point, the entire right. point of it was to stop Trump from being able to run for president because that was the big talking point that we kept seeing. Right. And, and the now, thing is, this was not coming from nerds at the Democrat party. This was a concerted effort by people in the U.S. government with hands on the lever of power, power inside the Justice Department, working together with the Democrat Party to ensure the opposition to the Democrat Party couldn't, uh, couldn't get elected, couldn't run for president, couldn't oppose the Democrat Party. That is what, when we say the deep state, that is what we mean. It means people that vote Democrat Twisting the levers of power of the American government to to ensure the Democrat Party wins. Well, and, and and weirdly enough, like MSNBC, the idiots over at Morning Joe are trying to use the arrest of this FBI agent to reopen the Russian collusion scandal. Why would that be necessary? They're they're trying to claim that it proves that there was Russian collusion with the Trump campaign because somebody at the FBI, known conservative right-wing MAGA organization it be, <laughs> was, yeah. was getting money from a Russian oligarch and the Albanian prime minister. Fascinating. Yeah, let, let's be honest. Look at the FBI. Look at the things the FBI has done over, you know, the, the at least the last five years and you tell me do you get to become the senior counterintelligence um head of new york if you're a raging maga republican Doutskis. yeah yeah uh press x no. um <laughs> like no absolutely not um but and that's the other thing is i i think i think what we're approaching here is that it's going to become painfully more and more obvious that Joe Biden was selling classified information through his son to make millions of dollars. Yeah. I think that the reason why this is coming out, because that's the big question. Why are we learning all of this? Why are we finding out? Because some, some of this information has been broken by liberal news outlets, which is why there's a lot of people asking, well, what's going on in the Democrat Party? It seems like they're moving against Joe. Well, Joe's not doing well. He hasn't been doing well the entire time, but he's certainly not doing well now. And so, right. like, you know, are his meds not working anymore? Or has there just been way too many videos shared on social media of poor Joe having to get walked off stage by his handler 
uh, because his, you know, this is something that Eric brought up earlier in the chat. Is it his cognitive decline? Are they finally, are they finally looking at this and being like, Joe's got to go, man. He can't handle it. This guy is not going to be able to handle the, a Republican house looking into our corruption. He's going to end up saying something stupid and outing all of us. Uh, probably. And so is this a concerted effort to get rid of Joe Biden? Well, the question I that I have is who is protecting Joe Biden? I think a lot of Democrats look at it and there's probably a fight in the Democrat Party right now over do we keep Joe Biden or not? I can see a lot of people making the case like we should let him go, but then a lot of people saying like if we admit we have invested so heavily in Joe Biden being perfect, fine, and there's no scandals, and he's great, and he's doing so well, and he's making the economy better, and he's affecting gas prices. If we, we can't drop him now, or else it will let the bad guys win. And the biggest thing the left is terrified is the bad guys winning, especially now because they know for a fact that they do not have very good ground to stand on. They, they feel... I think that the left feels very, very nervous right now. They feel nervous because all of their the core underpinnings of leftist ideology are being undermined all the time. Like every single day, people are kind of waking up to it. I'm not saying there's a great awakening happening, but I can understand how people on the left are now more than ever incredibly paranoid about their position on top of American society. And I think that that is going to make them make bad decisions, which is good. But I could see a lot of them looking at Joe Biden and say, no, we have to see this thing through. We have to find an out for Biden because we've invested so heavily. In it. We can't just distance ourselves from him. He needs to suffer. Like I, if Joe Biden leaves off, Joe Biden, uh, my prediction would be Joe Biden, if he leaves off early, he does it for health reasons. I think their 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 hope that they're crossing their fingers for is can we please just make it to the election? Joe Biden can choose to not run for, I guess, uh, health reasons, and then they can have someone new. But right now, who's going to be the new person? Mm -hmm. I think they're scrambling to find someone that this that their coalition of degenerates would all fall in behind. But we've talked before about how there is this sort of civil war in the Democrat Party. They're all united against the evil racists and that they hate, but they also have no unity with each other. And I think that people are like, well, right now we have Biden and we don't like him and we want to distance ourselves from him. But there have to be a bunch of factions going, well, then is it our guy in charge? Is it their guy? Like, we don't know. So it's it's hard to know where this goes but it definitely seems like it easily could be certain factions within the democrat party trying to make things more difficult for biden other factions trying to ensure that he's buoyed up and supported and i think a lot of the stuff we see has to at least keep that in mind as an explanation for the for the events that are, are occurring yeah and and everything that they were touting when it came the the best part, but the most frustrating part about doing this show every week is being able to, well, one, being able to guess it, right? Months and months and months ago, when people were trying, when the Democrats were trying desperately to get the hashtag Putin price hike to trend on social media and it failed horribly, um, we guessed 
exactly how this was going to go. And it was going to be that Joe Biden was going to blame Vladimir Putin for raising gas prices in the United States, even though that made zero sense whatsoever. There was not that yeah. much Russian oil uh, being imported into the United States to be effectual enough to um, show why gas prices were high. And we could very easily point to, well, you became president. They skyrocketed. You also said all of these things about not allowing any drilling. And, and basically, you, you basically told uh, the oil companies that they're screwed. Well, we said at the time when a lot of this was going on that he's going to blame Putin now. But then when oil companies make any sort of profit, he's going to turn around. The Democrats are going to turn around and say that it's the greedy oil companies that were making gas so expensive. Right. Well, which one was it? Was it Vladimir Putin or is it the greedy oil companies? And according to Democrats, it's both for reasons. It's whatever also, is convenient at the time. Right. And But also at the same time, the president's not responsible for gas prices, but you should thank him when they go lower. Oh, thank God. For and that's the deal now. The Republicans in the House of Representatives have said, you can't just tap into the strategic oil reserve unless you have a plan to replace it. Which sounds, I don't know, responsible? Oh, yeah. No, that's um, that's definitely what they they kind of did, is they said, hey, if you're going to drain the strategic oil reserve that should only be used in wartime or national emergency, if you're going to do that just for political points whenever, you have to have a plan to replace it. And Joe Biden, White House, said, no. Right. We don't have to have a plan to replace it because we're so smart. We just get to do that. Well, and and the the line that we're seeing from the Democrat apparatchiks is Joe Biden wants to make your gas prices lower. But the big mean Republicans want you to have high gas prices. Those meanie jerks. Because, like, make it make sense. Like the Republicans no. who for the last year have complained and pointed very, like very strategically or specific, sorry, specifically at why gas prices are so high. Suddenly, oh, they want you to have high gas prices. Yeah. Even though we have members of the Biden administration, like Jennifer Granholm, the secretary of energy and former governor of New of, uh, of Michigan saying, well, it's actually good that gas is so high because then more people will buy electric cars. <laughs> like it's actually Fantastic. good. Like it was horrible that gas prices were high because of Vladimir Putin, but it's also good because then you'll buy the electric car that we wish we could force you to buy. Yeah, not because it's going to save the environment, folks. Don't misunderstand. It's because they all probably have stock in electric cars. Well, that's probably also true. I mean, they have stock in electric cars, just like oh, they all have stock in defense co co contractors that are supplying aid to Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made, but what if it's just being made because we're all being so nice and saving the world? Is it so bad to make a few bucks saving the world, Alan? I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice <laughs> to, to just, we're saving the world and we can all make money. I remember, remember Solyndra? 
the basically solar energy company that was essentially was just like a go- just grift. Yeah. And it was hailed as, oh, they're doing such good work. And, they're, and they were getting millions from the Obama administration. And it turns out the whole thing was just nothing but vapor, which I'm suspicious of the vast majority of Democrat activist group stuff like Black Lives Matter, any of it. I think so much of their fundraising and their causes and I think it's all just ways to loot taxpayer dollars into private hands. It's like how much green energy initiatives and all the money gets spent on them. I wonder how much of it just winds up in campaign donations to Democrat politicians because it has to be a lot. Oh, and, and and that's exactly how it works. It's a coalition. I mean, this whole deep state thing, it, it's 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 not just the government. It, it, this is a coalition of, I mean, think about it. Like, look at every story that we've been talking about, not just not just today, but in the past. It's you have the intelligence community, you have these non-government organizations like the Open Societies Foundation, run by George Soros. Right. You have all of these businesses, um, international businesses, and uh, you know oligarchs in Ukraine, and everything else. You just connect all of those dots. Like that is the deep state. It is a giant money laundering organization. I mean, people can sit there and say all they want about like, oh, Ukraine's about democracy. Ukraine's about this. Ukraine's about that. Well, I still still need to point out and so sorry to hurt your Netflix, uh, you know, your, your favorite Netflix show, The War in Ukraine. Um, but <laughs> it was just a few years ago that Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma making a bunch of money for zero reason with zero experience. Yeah. So forgive me if I'm a little skeptical and I say that, uh, you know, there's at least a possibility that the focus in Ukraine is less about democracy and more about protecting your entire grift. Right. Well, and just the, I wonder about Ukraine. So every, we're spending all of this money. We're sending all of these arms, which means we then have to replace all of those arms. I wonder if a lot of people in the U.S. government and the Western world in general looked at the economy in, say, 2021, saw that we were headed towards economic collapse, which they, of course, instigated by printing money and basically running this whole wild debt scheme economy magic for the last you know, 20, 30, 40 years. I wonder if they looked at it and went, we are headed for a massive economic crash because we've been writing checks that we can't cash. We need something extreme. And I wonder if Ukraine is just simply their excuse to ramp up defense production, spend infinite government money because they're all operating under the the assumption of like, it'll be just like World War II, guys. You know how defense production got us out of the Great Depression in World War II? What if we had the same thing and we did that now and then we don't have a giant depression that as our economies implode from now from because they've been run so poorly? I think that's at least some explanation. Yeah, everybody, all these economists, everybody's all these politicians, defense people, they're making billions off Ukraine. And there's a ton of corruption. We still don't have an answer for what the hell was going on with all those America-Israel-run biolabs in Ukraine. All that aside, I think there is a good case to be made that a bunch of leaders in the Western world saw Ukraine as a way that they can 
use essentially defense spending to prevent a looming economic collapse while quietly restructuring their economies in the background. Well, yeah, and and I'm I always need to point out that because so the problem that you run into here when when you try to have these discussions with people, you know, when you try to be an adult and everybody wants to be a damn child and act like this is a movie because it's like, no, we're the good guys and they're the bad. Um, I pointed out at the initial onset when, when Russia was basically lining up a year ago on the Ukrainian border and we were beginning to discuss it, there was definitely a lot of talk about like, yeah, the U S needs to stay out of this. There's no reason for the U S to get involved. And we were seeing the pressure coming and and everything coming out of uh, the Biden administration that was like, Oh God, like they're, they're going to do something stupid. Right? Well, lo and behold, one of the things that I brought up when this was beginning was, you know, there was a lot of money lost when we pulled out of Afghanistan. I mean, there was right. and there were entire industries that were buoyed by the existence of the war in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, for 20 years. Yeah. Like literally someone's oh. tenure at a company could have been entirely financed yeah. by the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Well, think and th- about that's it. just a fact. There was billion. Yeah. It was a billion dollars a day, guys. We a were spending a billion dollars a day. Where was that money going? That money, the billion dollars a day, was going to U.S. defense contractors. Those right. people want. Those people were real excited to have three hundred and sixty-five billion dollars in guaranteed revenue every single year, guaranteed by the U.S. government in probably multi-year-long contracts. Right, and. All of that went away. And then that industry, which had been making $365 billion a year for the past, you know, let's say 20 years, that industry with that much money just suddenly lost its revenue. Like, are we supposed to believe they had absolutely no political clout? All of these companies making all of this money were making that money hand in hand with the U.S. government. And so when that stopped, Every single, all the people that ran these defense companies, they knew, they, they've met personally. They've played golf with congressmen, senators. They have a ton of access and incorporation into D.C., which they've needed for the last 20 years to be effective defense contracting companies to support the war on terror. Suddenly that ends. And what, do, the, do, do congressmen and senators stop picking up the phone to the companies that have spent over the 20 years like millions in campaign donations or do they answer the phone and go no no jim we'll find some new conflict to get you more contracts yeah yeah no no thanks for the all the donations over the years yeah we'll help you out mm-hmm. i own stock in your company and stand to make a million dollars every time you get a contract we have to we have to recognize that that absolutely happens and well, and, the, mean- the, and then like people argue about this it's like No, like there is a non-zero chance that the war in Ukraine is buoyed by a greedy American defense industry that wants its gravy train to start again. And punch politicians were getting paid off by these companies. They're not going to stop the war in Ukraine. They're going to, they're just going to vote to keep sending aid. And it's just like the whole thing is grift and parasitism, but people deny that fact because they don't want to recognize that that's what the Western world has become. Well, and the worst part about it is I think that that much is actually evidenced uh, and, and purely evidenced by every 
strategic action that we're seeing coming out of the United States with regards to Ukraine. Well, with seems regards to, be... to Ukraine, with regards to Iran, like the United States seems like the defense industry is has a lot more say in U.S. foreign policy than a lot of people probably would be comfortable with. Well, and it and it would appear that the entire point here is to protract the war as long as possible. Yeah. I mean, you could make the a pretty good argument that think of all the weapons that are being sent to Ukraine. Trying to train Ukrainian crews on brand new tanks that they've never operated before in a short rush time span seems ill-advised. It, it seems like it'd be better to, instead of sending Abrams tanks or German Leopard tanks, etc., it seems like it would be better for the Ukrainians to send to find supplies of former Soviet tanks that are in countries all over the world, buy those up, send those to Ukraine so that there's not a learning curve for the Russian crews and they can get into action effectively faster. But that's not what we're doing. It's the same with sending all of these other weapons. Again, part of Ukraine has to be viewed as it's a giant weapons test. All of our modern weapons are currently being tested in Ukraine against on a live fire exercise in a live fire exercise against a real enemy. And the American arms industry is pointing at their track record in Ukraine, regardless of Ukrainian losses or advances or territory changing. They say, oh, our uh, Javelin missile system is proven to be effective against modern Russian tanks in Ukraine. Hey, uh, Zambia, you should probably buy like 100,000 units. Wow, the HIMARS rocket system, which is the top of the line on all the advertising, we're now going to put tested, like battle tested in the fields of Ukraine. The defense industry is having a field day with this. And do you? And it's childish to think that they wouldn't use their access and influence to prolong the conflict because it is beneficial to them. Well, and... and if, if anyone wanted to ask me, like, how, how do I know that this is all about prolonging it, not having, you know, any, any, any no other reason aside from prolonging it likely for a bunch of money. And it's it's easy for me to prove, which is going to make people very sad. And that is, what are the terms for victory? That's a very good question. What is the victory in Ukraine? Yeah. What victory is Ukraine going to win? What is the victory condition? This is my question ask, I ask all the time. Mm -hmm. What is the victory? Like, Ukraine's going to win against Russia. Okay, how? Like, what? Like, win what? Like, they're going to win on the... They're going to defeat the entire Russian army on the battlefield? Okay, but then what? Are they going to reoccupy eastern Ukraine that won a civil war against Kiev between 2014 and 2022? Are they going to push the Russians out of areas that the Russians have officially annexed? Like, what is winning? Like, they're going to win against Russia. Oh, I'm, okay, I'm sorry. The idea that Russia, the giant country of Russia, filled with like 10 times the population of Ukraine, is going to be defeated by Ukraine, and then, like, what, retreat entirely back to Russia with their tails between their legs? That doesn't make sense. Like, what is the win for Ukraine? The, the win for Ukraine is survival. And I don't think that the Russians have any interest in conquering Ukraine, because then they'd have to fight a giant counterinsurgency. They learn from the lessons of America in Iraq and Afghanistan. They have invaded eastern Ukraine. They are sitting on eastern Ukraine, which is friendly because those people in eastern Ukraine spent the last eight years fighting Zelensky's government. And they're kind of making some advances out of there. But it's very, again, like what is win?
like that Russia offers them peace terms. Russia's been trying to get them to the table for peace talks like for the last year. So I don't know. Right. I, I, like well, people it, say Russia's going to win. And I think that all they know is that the news told me Russia is going to win. And then Thanos will be defeated by the Avengers. And Spider-Man will, you know, will finally beat the bad guy. And then at the end of the movie, after the credits, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see Putin, you know, his, it, Putin's like arm will twitch and it'll show that he wasn't actually killed by Iron Man. And, and, and there might be a sequel and that'll be fun. I think it's a big Marvel Marvel movie to a lot of people. And that's why they think there's going to be a win. There's going to be a big satisfying victory. There's probably going to be a parade. Like Zelensky will be canonized as a saint by, uh, you know, I guess Rome maybe, or the Joe Biden. He's going to get that power suddenly. It, it doesn't make sense. What does victory in Ukraine look like? People can't answer this because no one knows because it's not a priority. Right. Well, and that's, yeah. And that, that's the, that's the whole thing is when you ask people, even, even politicians, not just, not just randos on Twitter and stuff like that, but you ask even politicians, it's like, well, what does victory look like? And they're like, Russia needs to give up all Ukrainian land, the Crimea, Luhansk, Donetsk, all of it. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to happen. That's not, they're not going to, they're not going to do that. Like Russia will literally put everything on the table to not entirely retreat out of Ukraine. Yeah, like they'll fight you for that. And Russia has not yet begun to fight is kind of the real thing. Like Russia is fighting a limited scale war in Ukraine. And a lot of people don't like to think about that because like, no, Russia's Russia's taken 500,000 casualties. Like, okay, no, they haven't. But Russia's fighting a limited war in in Ukraine with 10% of their military. They have another 90% of their military that is not in Ukraine. They don't want it in Ukraine because they don't want to escalate the conflict further, which really throws to light, like, why is the U.S. giving, essentially prolonging this proxy war? Well, I don't know. And And it's hard to know what the Russians' overall goals are. It's hard to know all of this. But the idea of a Ukrainian victory needs to be treated with extreme skepticism because it seems impossible for them to achieve. Like, Ukraine... Ukraine was unable to beat separatists in the Donbass region from 2014 to 2022. And I'm supposed to believe that their military suddenly became superhuman when facing against the actual, like, the actual military of of the Russians? That seems insane. The Ukrainian military was defeated a a separatist insurgency in the Donbass Mm -hmm. between 2014 and 2022. Then they faced off against the regular Russian army, and supposedly they're now winning strides and victories, and it's great. And if that's true, what happened to the 900 tanks Ukraine had in inventory in 2020? They're like, why do they need all of this equipment? Why do they need billions in arms, arms sales? Why do they need all of this stuff if they're winning? And I think the answer is that they're not winning. They are simply able to sustain at best, sustain a front line against the Russians with the goal of essentially just chewing up. I, th- I think the U.S. goal is keep the war going as long as possible to chew up as many Russian soldiers, kill as many Russian soldiers as possible, destroy as many Russian vehicles as possible, because that puts Russia in a weaker position. And none of this is about helping the Ukrainians. It is about punishing Russia for having the temerity of opposing 
Joe Biden and his new world order. I mean, that's that's as good an assessment as any. And I don't even think it's that cynical to suggest that the reason why the U.S. is so involved in this, because like I said, you know, like a lot of people have said, it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. Like there isn't actually a good national security like reason. You know, they, they yeah. try to say, well, stopping Russia and helping democracy is the best. And it's like, dude, like a bunch of Ukrainian politicians this week resigned because of corruption, which is business as usual in Ukraine. At yeah. the same time, Zelensky puts out a whole decree or what the hell ever about how, you know, people that are basically standing in the way of victory are going to be, you know, thrown out of the government for lack of a better term, which is a hundred percent from what we've seen track record wise that the Western media doesn't want to cover is Zelensky is going to is basically going to declare himself king. He is I mean, getting he rid of any... is already. Do you think Ukraine's yeah. going to have elections and unquote until the war is over? Right. Well, and that yeah, that's exactly it. Like, is is he going to you know? It, yeah, are they going to have elections? Absolutely not. No, no, we 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 can't right now. We can't change horses in midstream. We have to keep with it. And you know, I have a Vanity Fair cover that makes me look great. Um. They've well, that's the other thing, too. The Western world has spent so much building this dude's persona up. This guy, it, our children are going to talk about whose true fault it is for raising up the dictatorship that is uh Vladimir Zelensky. Yeah, this and, is, and this all the is meanwhile, going to be a political battle 20 years from now. Actually, right. it was the Republicans, the war hawks. We're always we've always been the peaceniks on you know, the Democrats have always been about peace, right? The parties were switched back then. <laughs> yeah no, no. something like that right but but the point is is i don't think it's that cynical to say that the reason why the u.s got so involved so quickly was oh god if russia gets to kiev they're going to reveal all of our political corruption yeah i mean I bet a lot of people would spend billions and billions of dollars and Ukrainian lives that don't matter to them on making sure that their grift was never revealed. I'm oh, I'm certain that they would do that. And I think that that's I mean, I think that that needs to be considered. <clears throat> now, on other notes um, that aren't necessarily connected, although you did bring up Biolabs, which is always entertaining because there are but they're not but there are. Uh, yeah, it, it it was admitted that there were U.S. connected biobs in Ukraine. Now, what they were doing, it, it we have no idea, but it, it is admitted that that was real. That there were a bunch of U.S. either connected or run biolabs in Ukraine. And the thing is that it was initially denied by the U.S. government. Makes me skeptical. But then the Pentagon confirmed, like, well, yeah, we did have biolabs in Ukraine, but but they weren't working on anything dangerous. I'm like, okay, well, since you were kind of lied about the first part. I'm now not going to believe that, oh, well, we do have biolabs, but they don't do anything dangerous because I'm just waiting for the, the, the next leak of, okay, we did have the biolabs and they were working on gain of function research for, I don't know, uh, eyeball AIDS or something horrifying. <laughs> well, and, and that's the, uh, that's the entertaining part too, is like, remember it was a conspiracy theory to suggest that the United States government, CDC and NIH were involved whatsoever in gain of function research, like, you know, 
in the Wuhan lab, which is yeah. what led to COVID-19 actually happening. Yeah, well, which is you know, exactly, I remember it was a conspiracy theory to suggest that the Wuhan Institute for Virology could have been the source of the COVID outbreak, but no, 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 it was the, it was a guy ate a bat at a market down the street, has nothing to do with the level four bio lab in the city. Like, yeah. No, like, nothing to do with that. Like, that's just ridiculous to even suggest. Mm -hmm. But Project Veritas decided uh, to <laughs> to pull some threads and uh, ended up getting one of Pfizer's directors um, on hidden camera audio say, at least claiming that they are, I don't know if there's a difference necessarily, but basically it sounds like they're conducting gain of function research on the coronavirus in Pfizer. And when he was confronted about it in a New York restaurant, he flipped out. The video's kind of insane to watch. Mm -hmm. His immediate reaction was, I lied about it, all of it, the whole thing, totally lied. It was, it was just all a lie. I made it all up. Also, I'm calling the police. You can't do this. And then like started freaking out and trying to rip like the iPad out of James O'Keefe's hands. And right. So the, the assertion and, that this guy was making on, on, on the hidden camera footage, he was essentially saying like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're definitely um, doing gain of function research on these viruses to make it to, you know, increase the market for our vaccines. Yeah. We want, we want to get ahead of variants and so what we're going to do is create more and more hostile variants by injecting this into animals and then infecting other animals with the previously infected like doing all of this to basically make an extremely violent um virus and then you know basically make a like you follow the chain. Like there is a there is scientific logic here, right? Yeah. No, it's it's and gain of function research is essentially taking a virus, making it more deadly, so you can study it, and then maybe if it naturally mutates to being more deadly, you'll have some body of knowledge on how to combat it. My problem is I have zero trust that Pfizer is actually has has any moral fiber at all. I do not trust Pfizer or really any of these pharmaceutical companies that they won't turn around and go. Oopsies, we released this new virus. Guess we have to have a new vaccine. Pay us billions. It's like the fact that they were already working on the COVID, the COVID vaccine, like week, like a month after the quote outbreak started, makes me real suspicious that they kind of knew it was coming. But again, I, I can't back any of this up, but it's things like there are elements of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines that are patented in that were patented years before. Now, maybe that's totally fine. Maybe there's nothing to see here. But if you're, I, I think it is difficult for me to not be highly suspicious about everything that Pfizer says, anything these people say about their vaccines, about COVID, because they've lied so much. They lied about the, the gain of function research they were performing. And if they're going to lie about that, are they going to lie about when they started working on the vaccines? If you're doing gain of function research, you probably would have vaccine development going at the same time. And if they were being totally honest, maybe it's even as simple as, oh, well, we were doing gain of function research and made this horrible virus. And then we were also making a vaccine for it at the same time. And then the virus happened to leak. And then we just rushed development of the vaccine. It might be that simple. 
but the fact that they have been so dishonest about so many of these other things, and because Pfizer has a history of producing bad drugs that cause bad side effects and then covering it up, makes me extremely suspicious of their motivations, that they are not just based on pure, gentle, beautiful, scientific intrigue, that they're actually some sort of horrible money laundering scam using all of us as guinea pigs. I, I think that they, ha I have to wonder whether that or not that's true. Well, and, and <clears throat> to, to the same, to the, the same thing, like, like I, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a theoretical and sure. I don't think that this is, I don't think that this is that crazy, which is mm -hmm. the terrible part. I'd like to say like worst case scenario. Okay. If you think of somebody, a person who might be the craziest and most upset, most deranged about anti-vaxxers, somebody who might be the most angry about people who aren't masking properly, somebody who still thinks that we need to be in a lockdown medical tyranny state. I right. would like to think that at the top of the list of people that are going to, you know, be that part of society, it's going to be somebody who's like a vaccine researcher. Because think about yeah. it, you're developing this vaccine, you've been working, you know, all this time, and then you're just seeing all these idiots over in Florida with death Santas just walking around unmasked and they don't believe in science and oh my God, they're going to kill grandma. You guys remember, you, we all heard it. We all heard it. These people were insane. These liberals were out there wishing death upon anybody who didn't get the vaccine. They, they, they're saying, like, this is the true metric of people who are willing to be slightly, just slightly uncomfortable for the benefit uh, of yeah. others. They're so selfish for not getting vaccinated and wearing, wearing their face mask in their car by themselves. Oh, my God. They were incensed. They hated it. It enraged them. You, the friends wore the masks, the enemies were the people who didn't want to do it. And all the people who didn't want to do it are basically murderers. They're the worst people on the planet and they just don't know how to listen to the experts. They're a bunch of dummy, dumb idiots who think Jesus is going to help keep them safe or whatever. There was right, so right. much dripping, seething hate. Right. All right. it takes is yeah. one vaccine researcher to go... This will finally get people to get vaccinated like they're supposed to and wear a mask like they're supposed to. And they whoopsie a vial in the middle of a Walmart. See, I, I have to wonder about this. It's like this, this sounds like the plot of a movie where there's a disgruntled like, worker at one of these labs who's a just egregious liberal going like, I just, we need people to, or I mean, even climate change, like any of these things, like people aren't taking this seriously enough. I need to make them take it seriously. Yeah. I think enough liberals are unhinged enough that if they had the capacity to cause serious mayhem in the, and thought that that would advance their agenda, I have to wonder if they take the, if they take the opportunity. It's like, if you told liberals like, Hey, um, there's this, would you blow up a, say, would you attack a power substation to make people take climate change seriously? If you're going to say that things like climate change is the greatest threat to mankind, what wouldn't you find acceptable to make sure people took it seriously? Like people that, and then COVID is a good example. 
because a lot of liberals, in especially even in positions of authority in science, doctors, etc., became slavering vaccine COVID just in commissars. It's like people need to take it seriously, and I am wearing a mask, and you need to wear a mask, and like. What wouldn't these people do? What wouldn't they feel was appropriate to make people take their thing as seriously as they thought it should be taken? And that, and that makes me worry. Again, that makes me just worried that we're living in a society full of people deranged enough to do relatively heinous things because, you know, quote, the dumb racists somewhere aren't taking my thing seriously enough. Yeah, I mean, these, these are people who who supported now understand this it, it didn't necessarily happen here but those same people supported the idea of there being camps they wanted to put people in camps yeah they over... wanted they wanted people that refused to get vaccinated to be they to not be able to go to the store to be stripped of their rights i mean mm -hmm. they there were horrendous things being said by people in positions of power and authority about the unvaccinated during covid and I remember those things, and I'm not going to forget them. Yeah, so forgive me if I'm a little suspicious of the idea that, you know, Pfizer's out there making a far more virulent uh, virus and that there's, at, like I said, at least a potential that some deranged, uh, you know, scientist who's so upset over all the dummy dumbs who aren't listening to, this, to the god of science and are, you know, aren't... Uh, properly supplicating to the cult uh couldn't pretend and I, i'm just talking about intentionally doing it what supposedly happened in wuhan is it was unintentional and had happened before yeah now pfizer did respond somewhat this is what they posted late on a friday night which is always something you got to watch that's how you keep stuff out of the news cycle True. Pfizer's response to video leaking is in the ongoing development of the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, Pfizer has not conducted gain of function or directed evolution research. In a limited number of cases, when a full virus does not contain any known gain of function mutations, such virus may be engineered to enable the assessment of antiviral activity in cells. Those are two pieces of the statement which is okay. we're not conducting gain of function or directed evolution research in the ongoing development of, of our COVID-19 vaccine. But in a limited number of cases, we will totally do that. Yeah. So now maybe what they are saying is this dude totally lied. Maybe he did. Maybe he was full of crap. They're claiming, and this is what I'm wondering is like, Pfizer has not conducted gain of function or directed evolution research mm -hmm. in the ongoing development of the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. Is that some wordsmithing? Like, oh yeah, we're doing it, but it has nothing to do with the de development of the vaccine. Is that wordsmithing and saying that um, gain of function and directed evolution are those two very specific processes, but there might be another process that they're doing that's similar, but it's not those words. So it's okay. It's legally permissible to say this because understand this went through lawyers. Oh, very much so. You know, so maybe I, like I said, it's possible. This guy was completely full of crap. 
Maybe. It's weird that that's the line he would go with. You know, like it's weird that if you're going to make something up, you're brag about like, oh yeah, no, like what we're doing is like engineering this virus and we're going to like try to make it more virulent so we can study it. It's like, it's a little strange that like, that's your show off to your date. That is, but maybe not. I mean, I don't know. To your date. Yes. Huh? (laughs) That is a weird way to show off to your date. But, you know, I don't know. I, I I have no idea. Point is, though, is Pfizer does do that. Maybe they're doing it with COVID. I'm not sure. It's really strange at how that guy reacted. Now, granted, if I want to be fair, and we should be fair, the guy did just find out that everything he said uh, was recorded on um, a hidden camera. Yeah. And he may have violated um, a lot of classification at Pfizer right. and I'm might sure he had job. NDAs that he just violated, which sucks to be him. But again, I, it's just that I don't trust Pfizer at all. So I'm willing to believe a whole lot of stuff about them that's negative. I also think Pfizer would absolutely lie about this. Absolutely, they would. And, and they and, have enough. They And Pfizer additionally has enough connections with the U.S. government in high level ways that they could isolate themselves from criticism. I mean, for example, it's like if you're injured by their vaccine, they successfully lobbied the U.S. government that the U.S. government said, if you're injured by the vaccine, Pfizer can't be held liable. Right. I mean, so the connection between the CDC and Pfizer and all these people is big enough. They are connected enough that... I worry that even if they were lying or did something malicious, they are op- could be operating under the perspective that they will never be held accountable. And I, I really don't like that with companies that have as much reach and power and influence as Pfizer. They also advertise on places. They also pay CNN and CBS and a bunch of other media organizations advertising dollars and it wouldn't surprise me if in the background liberals that work at pfizer and liberals that work at cnn had a handshake deal of okay so you're not going to ever report anything bad about our company right it's like oh of course we wouldn't you guys are good democrat supporters (laughs) well and and what's amazing about it too is um the the weirdness in addition to that is so they're it would appear that they're denying that it's happening. Um, okay. Like, I guess that's neat, but would they get away with lying about whether or not that's happening under the guise of, well, we didn't want to create more vaccine hesitancy and everybody claps and says, Oh, you're the real heroes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's the thing is like, that's the catch all. All they have to do is say like, Oh, well, you know, we said that because we didn't want their, we didn't want those mean racists to, uh, you know, cause more vaccine hesitancy because all those dummy dumbs, yeah. they don't know what gain of function is. And they just listen to Tucker Carlson and Fox news. And they're just so stupid. Yeah. I can easily see liberals at Pfizer and liberals in the Democrat party and liberals at CNN all feeling the same way about us. And I don't like that. I don't like that they look down on us with such contempt because I feel that it makes them capable of doing things that are very uh, evil. The interesting, the other interesting part about it, though, that you can really kind of look at here is if this is going on, if this director who was caught on hidden camera 
um, was being honest and was saying that like we're conducting all of this research where we have to evolve the virus and this, that, and the other thing, it kind of suggests that there's a tacit acknowledgement that uh, the vaccine's a failure. Well, it certainly didn't stop COVID. It didn't <laughs> stop transmission. It didn't stop infection. Kind of curious what it really did. For billions of dollars in your tax money, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, just oh, it think made about the COVID, that. Ooh, it made COVID like survivable for the elderly. Like, yeah, and uh-huh. it also could be causing millions of people to develop heart problems. So. Well, did it make it more survivable? Did it? I don't know. Because if I don't. That- here's the thing. I don't know if it made COVID more survivable, but I do know that no one's going to investigate whether or not it did. Yeah, I was going to say, do, do you know what else? Do you know another way that we see reductions in deaths due to a virus? How time? Yeah, time. Time literally just does that. Time does that. Yeah, as the virus. I mean, it's it's like the common I, cold. No one really yeah. dies from the common cold anymore because the virus keeps because because almost all viruses trend towards being less lethal over time. Right. It's the same as like the light. The latest variants of COVID are actually really mild. And it's like you only ever were in danger if you were someone who had a compromised immune system or were very old or very young, like every single virus. Yeah. And the fact that we were lied to about that. The the fact that governments around the world were banning hydroxychloroquine before the virus, even before the pandemic, quote, started, I think is the biggest smoking gun that somebody was up to something. Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were shown, abs have been shown absolutely to help people, uh, get better after they hadn't were infected and governments around the world were banning them at the end of 2019 or, or were like places like DC. the people were promoting bans on these drugs which have won nobel prizes before and been in circulation for decades and then suddenly there's a concerted effort among various groups like the cdc and other places to suddenly ban and hide these drugs right on the eve of the COVID, of the COVID pandemic. Again, it's hard to know exactly what that is, but it looks extremely suspicious. Right. It's like somebody wanted COVID to be worse so they could capitalize on it politically. Yeah, or, you know, monetarily. Or monetarily or something. I don't know. It's, it's, like I said, it's it's hard to know the truth of this stuff because there is such an effort to hide it all. And if there wasn't an effort to hide it, if everything was being above board, I would feel a lot more secure with all of this. But the fact that I know there is a concerted effort to lie about these things and hide the truth of COVID, of the vaccines, etc., it makes me not trust anything that I hear. And I feel like that is, that trust, that mistrust is warranted. Now, in the final parts of the show, a little bit of fun um, intrigue, we'll say, uh, with regard to what's going on in D.C. There's a lot of rage and anger because Kevin McCarthy, as the Speaker of the House, came out and said that he is not going to allow Eric Swalwell or Adam Schiff to serve on the House Intelligence Committee. And the... When asked about this, his reasons were Adam Schiff lied 
and weaponized the intelligence community uh, and lied to the media. Remember, Adam Schiff claimed that he had Donald Trump dead to rights. He had absolute proof that there was Russian collusion. He had seen it. You can't see it because it's classified, but he saw it. It totally happened. Now, yeah. granted, none of it ever seemed to have come out, and Donald Trump is still a free man and not a spy, uh, and none of it was ever seemed to come out. And the new thing now is we're going to get him on his taxes. So, you know, explain. And, and of course, you know, further investigations have revealed um, that so many of these federal agencies, intelligence community, and politicians were led astray by lies that were entirely made up or that they were liter- that they were told to lie about. I mean, there are indictments around things like that about the whole, uh, what was it, Alpha Bank? Like, yeah, we like there is a tech company that admitted we were told that our entire job was to find links or make links between Donald Trump and Alpha Bank, which went nowhere, by the way. At the same time, Adam Schiff also decided that he was going to go to TikTok and whine about getting kicked off the intelligence community or the, the intelligence committee. And he said that Republicans are trying to fundraise off his name. And at the end of his video on the China's communist party's social media platform of TikTok, he told everybody to go donate to his campaign. Um, Additionally, Eric Swalwell booted off the intelligence community uh, that the intelligence committee, because he had a relationship with a Chinese spy. And in the response that Kevin McCarthy gave to a question from a journalist, he said, you didn't have the intelligence briefing I had. Trust me, he doesn't need to be around national security. It's amazing that he can even get reelected. Yeah. Shocking. Yes. Insulting, perhaps. <laughs> well, and at the same time, they also removed Ilhan Omar. Mm-hmm. And so Democrats are pissed off that a guy who's lied about intelligence, a guy who leaked intelligence was kicked off the intelligence committee. The fact that a guy who had a relationship with a Chinese spy that the FBI had to investigate and briefed members of Congress about uh, on the intelligence committee, they're upset about that. And these are two people that absolutely leak to the press. They absolutely, you know, uh, politicize intelligence. They absolutely have weaponized Uh, the intelligence community against their political opponents. So Democrats are super mad. But in addition to that, they're mad that uh, Ilhan Omar can't be on the Foreign Relations Committee. Somebody who, for all intent and purpose, looks like she may have married her brother and committed uh, immigration fraud. Additionally, has been very supportive of the enemies of the United States. Neat. In the idea of terrorist organizations. And, and, and has regularly uh, at least insinuated that there needs to be violence against other Americans that she disagrees with. So the Democrats are super mad about it and they just think it's the worst thing and Republicans are evil, which is strange because I remember for zero reason whatsoever, Democrats kicking uh, Republicans off of committees because they made them mad. Marjorie Taylor Greene never even got to sit on a committee. She came into Congress and they immediately did not allow her to be on any committees because one time she shared like a video that was like kind of sort of maybe QAnon. 
Yeah. Like legitimately. Yeah. And, and there were several other members of Congress that they just said, nope, you can't be on a committee. But now they're all mad. I, a turnaround's fair play, guys. You 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 wrote the new rules. Don't be don't be pissed off when they're used against you. And good, I su- surprising, surprising, but good on Kevin McCarthy for actually having a set of cojones to do that. Because what I was afraid of was the normal limp-wristed like spineless Republican answer of we're not going to play politics with this hallowed institution. Mm -hmm. But good. These people need to suffer because let's be honest. What we, what did we talk about for almost the entire beginning of this show? Those guys were probably making a bunch of money leaking intelligence. (laughs) It seems to be the thing to do. Well, it's, it is shocking because it feels it's almost as if they act as though there is no negative ramification from any of these actions, which is just a very bizarre way to view it. And I think that they just they've got they've spent their entire careers operating above basically above the law, knowing that they are protected on high by the media and their donors. So I can understand where maybe where this comes from. I mean, is it too much? to suspect that when you have some something like the Open Societies Foundation run by George Soros, who gives billions and billions and billions of dollars to Democrat candidates, isn't going to receive classified intelligence collected by the United States government that would help him further his goals. Yeah. That is it is it too much to at least suspect that that might be happening? I don't think because so. Because what else is he paying for? Does he just love Democrats that much? It's <laughs> a very the, good question. At the same time, we're going to see a lot of dumb legislation. So I want I want everyone to prepare for a couple of things. So the last 10 minutes of the program, I want to give you guys what to prepare for in the future, just so I can turn around and tell everybody how right we were the whole time. Number one, um, prepare yourselves. There, there's already a push where... Democrats who are in the minority in the House are talking about trying to pass legislation to protect a woman's right to choose, meaning abortion. Mm-hmm. So they're going to put they're 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 going to work on a package and they want to put that forward. Likely it'll be at some sort of strategic time that they will try to put that kind of legislation forward. One thing you have to remember for the next couple of years, while we have to suffer uh, Democrats in the minority. Um, they had two years of literal, total, dominant control over the government. It was a Democrat House of Representatives. Uh, there was a tie-breaking vote in the Senate with Kamala Harris, and they had the White House. Why wouldn't they pass any of this legislation then? Why not? Huh, you had the you, you had literally no, nothing getting in your way. You had nothing getting in your way to be able to pass that legislation. They're doing it now because it's a political stunt, because that's what the Democrats do. It's a political stunt. The reason why they didn't pass any legislation to try to codify the right to abortion into law is because one, it would be politically unpopular, but two, they wouldn't be able to pander to women. They would lose the ability to pander to women. If you passed something that basically said, yeah, you can still get an abortion and it's federally protected, they wouldn't be able to pander to women by scaring them saying that their rights will be taken away. Yeah. You need to think about that. 
For the people who claim that it's a right, women are literally going to die if they can't kill babies. Well, that proves it's not true. It absolutely proves it's not true. It's just a political football. It's just a political football. On the I other think side, a lot of, of this it, is well, and it's the same thing. A lot of GOP has the GOP have been promoting a bunch of like some other legislation. Um, there was Matt Gates recently promoted a thing that I was just like, well, why would you do that? Like that sounds very good, but again, it's one of the my question on a lot of the things the GOP is doing right now is why didn't you do this when you had the had power? Right. Uh, for example, it's the uh, it's an act by Josh Hawley that he introduced to the House, and it would prevent lawmakers and their spouses from insider trading, called the Preventing Elected Leaders from Owning Securities and Investments Act, or the Pelosi, Pelosi Act, <laughs> which is funny. It's funny and it's cute, but part of me feels like it's political grandstanding when there's no chance that it passes. And you don't think it? Well, you don't think it'll pass the Senate? Oh, I think it'll get vetoed by Biden. So. Who cares? <laughs> okay, I under I totally understand what you're saying here, and I totally understand where you're you're. Um, yeah, it's that it's not a serious. It's that this is being proposed in a at a time when there's no hope for it passing. So this is simply a symbolic act. Now maybe that's fine, but I think people shouldn't confuse things like this with the GOP is finally tackling this issue. It's no, the GOP is making a symbolic act. It no won't pass to appeal to its own voters, which well, might be fine, but it does have to recognize that when they do have power, I want to see acts like this also proposed. So I don't know though. Well, uh, uh, you, you're, you're probably right, but this is what confuses me. There were a lot of Democrats that said that they would support legislation like this. So are they going to like during the election, they said that they would yeah. support legislation like this. Even Nancy Pelosi said that she would support legislation like that. Yeah. So likely they're all going to vote against it. Probably. I mean, probably Democrats of, saying one thing and doing it. Well, all politicians are saying one thing and doing another <laughs> is not necessarily surprising. I, uh, to Josh Hawley's credit, now he's only been in the House since like 2019, I think. Yeah, sure. Uh, to to his credit, though, I want these people. I do want these people on record. I I, yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Like, they're, this isn't going to go anywhere. I want I want Joe Biden to veto this so I can tell liberals Joe Biden vetoed this. Because what American says? Well, I'm okay with that not not being a law. I bet a lot of Americans are like, that's not already a law. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, this is just preventing insider trading. Who's against that? Now, granted, a lot of politicians are because that's how they make their money. So, but to your point, it it's likely symbolic. And there is all, all, always going to be um, a lot of this, this symbolism. So I do want to see a Democrat Senate turn this down. I do want to see Joe Biden maybe have to veto this. I think that that's great. Um, because what, because yeah, it gives me the ability to say, of course, they don't want to stop their gravy train. And if it's supposed to be about serving the people, then your gravy train should be like, then you should be all about having it where it's like, yeah, I can't trade in stocks while I'm serving the United States. I don't see a problem with that. Yeah, it's totally fine. If you do, it means you want to make money. 
Like you can, yeah. you can whine and bitch. Oh, it's not fear because I have all these stocks from when I was a big business person and I should be, well, uh, then don't, don't run for Congress, asshole. Yeah. Or okay. conversely, I would have zero problem with people in Congress, insider trading and making money off of this stuff. If the country was run well, if that was the thing, it's like, oh, yeah, you can be in politics and you'll probably make like a million dollars off of the stocks uh, and insider trading you're going to do. I'll just be like, no, nah, that seems fun. Like, and if, if the country was being run effectively with good direction and we had a mission and we were, a, and I could look at the future of America and go, things are bright for America. We are well led. Our problems are getting solved. We're, we're marching into the future of, as an effective country with a, with a great set of goals. I would care a lot less about insider trading in, by politicians. The fact that the country is seemingly, they are ignoring running the country well and setting up the country for success. Th those are secondary priorities to politicians making a buck. That is why this is a problem. No, and I don't, I, I, and then that's, that's what needs to be fixed is it's not simply, it's not just that they're making money. It's that they're making money at the expense of their own nation at the, they are, they are selling their children's future. They are selling our future for to line their own pockets today. Right. No, and a hundred percent. The other thing that I want people to prepare themselves for, because this is inevitably going to happen is we are running into a debt ceiling battle. Republicans are going to make a proposal in the House of Representatives and say, this is our proposed budget for what we're going to be doing about the debt ceiling. Because if they don't pass something, then the United States defaults on its debt, blah, 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 whatever. Republicans are going to make a proposal. The Democrats are not going to pass the proposal or Joe Biden is going to veto it. And somehow the Democrats are going to basically threaten the shutdown of the government and blame the Republicans. They're going to say they're being completely unreasonable. Think about that. It is going to be Democrats that are going to shut the government down and potentially move us into a default situation. But they're going to blame Republicans by saying that their, uh, their solution is unreasonable. And so just prepare yourselves for that battle. Start laying the groundwork for it now. Yeah, because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think a government shutdown is a bad thing. Oh, God, no. The government can't spend my money. Oh, what horror. What terror. We locked an entire country down, guys. In some places for over a year. Wasn't so bad. Would it be so bad to lock the government down? Really? Yeah. But that's going to have to be it for the show. So prepare yourselves. Be sure, by the way, to go over subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio and become a subscriber for $2.99 a month. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next